Next on the Well of Sound. Hi, I'm Lindsay Buckingham. We... You're a guy, a junior in high school, and you meet this senior girl who's beautiful and like sings like a songbird, and you guys have a working relationship in bands, and then you become on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And everything, that relationship from, from age you know 16 and 17 on, suddenly like made everything make sense for why Stevie and Lindsay's relationship is such a big deal over the course of his career. Because they met in high school and people I think were so. thinking about their own high school experiences or, or the intensity of emotion that you have when you're yeah. 17. And he's an intense guy. Oh my God. That, that, that comes across loud and clear. Holy mackerel. I mean, I've always had a fascination with any time I've ever heard... Um, a producer, songwriter, singer, whatever, referred to as a mad scientist in any way. Yeah. That, um, like, all my alarm bells go off, and I was like, I can't wait to listen. I don't <laughs> care what it is they're creating. Is that what happened? So how did, what, what, was, what was the beginning for you with, I mean, it has to, I'm assuming it has to be Fleetwood Mac is sort of the beginning of your Lindsay Buckingham experience. It's not Lindsay first, right? No, no. It's, well, it, it's Lindsay first, foremost, I would say. But right. Not, not first. Um, I so mean, is me, it a Lindsay song? It's a Lindsay song. What got me were two different things. First of all, um, I was I'm such a Beach Boy obsessive right. that I was just reading and in high school just reading everything I could about the Beach Boys. Right. And when they would t- always talk about people on whom Brian Wilson, people that basically worship Brian Wilson, Lindsey Buckingham would always be listed. Actually, Roy Wood would always be listed too from the oh. Move, who we've talked about before, and so would like the guys from ABBA. But um, Lindsey Buckingham would always be like as a, he gets referred to as a Brian Wilson disciple all okay. the time. And so that uh, piqued my interest. <laughs> and I'd know the hits, you know, I knew the right. hits. And I always um, liked the sort of desperate quality in his vocals yeah. that sort of pinched yeah. high tenor, I guess. But then, um, so there was a, th- th- what really did it for me was um, a cover on a record by a band called The Velvet Crush, which is sort of a power pop group they covered the song save me a place okay and i had heard a lot of the others i'd heard the you know go your own way i'd heard tusk even and Mm -hmm. i'd I'd loved these songs but when i heard save me a place which is a song that was 
off the album Tusk and their version of it was so beautiful and uh, I don't know, wounded and um, it made me want to seek out that record. And once I got into Tusk, mm-hmm. um, that was, was it. Con- it was kind of over Th- right. that combined with all this mad scientist quality. But I would say I came to Lindsay kind of late. I came to Fleetwood Mac kind of late because um you know, I, I grew up thinking Fleetwood Mac. I didn't really realize the amount of substance there was there. I always thought of them as more like poppy. Poppy. Yeah. What, what about you? It really comes down to Buckingham Knicks. Um, the I uh, had just moved to L.A. I was staying with a friend and, and whose roommate was was not there for like three months or something. And but his record collection was so. I've had these wonderful records I had never seen before sort of at my disposal to listen to. Buckingham Knicks, um, that album was one of them. And I knew who Stevie Nicks was. I didn't really know who Lindsey Buckingham was. And uh, and that album was sort of all consuming for me. I yeah. was I was like, what is this? You know, that record. sound, I, I, it's clearly what I know of, of a lot of Fleetwood Mac, but I didn't know that this exists, and uh, and then re- I became obsessed with them, and and then uh, you know a, a a few years later, Under the Skin came out, and and that sort of reinforced him as this persona to mm-hmm. me, because I really I, I like that album. I, I sort of we'll get to it, but um, yeah, Under the Skin's great. That. Um, that Buckingham Nicks record has the benefit of also being one of those out of print, or at least it never made its way onto CD officially. Yeah. So you had to get it as a bootleg or yeah, it, you had to or, find or it. the vinyl. And so any record like that, it didn't really even matter how good it was. Um, if it was that much harder to get, I was reading today something about the IKEA effect that we we um, value furniture much more if we've had a role in putting it together. <laughs> Yes, there's a, it definitely explains a lot of music, um, my music life. Because yeah. like if I had to search for the record, if I had to kind of, if it felt like an accomplishment that I even had it, yeah. not not necessarily like I was part of a club, but I'd, I'd sweated for it or yeah. I discovered it in some way, I was more predisposed to like it.
I stole someone's copy of Buckingham Knicks. I'm not proud I of it. I don't blame you. Like, I remember get, being in a situation at maybe a party uh-huh. and uh, see, going through someone's CD collection and seeing it and, and not having seen it, but having wanted it for a long time. <laughs> and needing it right and then. I, I just, That's I'm the not explanation proud. when people go to court and have no explanation <laughs> for why they, I just had to have it. And all of a sudden I'm walking out of, I think I also grabbed the division belt by Pink Floyd, which, you know. I On also, the way out. And this. <laughs> I was in a stealing mood. Maybe I'd had a couple of drinks or something, but I got, uh, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. I still have that same copy of Buckingham Knicks. Oh, do you? I wish I, I, I got to get my hands on one. I, you know, I, uh, I didn't take that, that copy that I saw. Um, but th- that's the beginning for, for them, too. They were in, um, so they met in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, uh, a few years later, Lindsey Buckingham's in a band called Fritz Raven Memorial Band or something named after one of the guys that they went to high school with. And he's kind of, it has no relationship to the band. He's just kind of like, hey, screw you guys. <laughs> um, but this is shortened to Fritz. Fritz, right. Yeah. And they open. So he he sort of set, invites Stevie to to join the band. And they open for big acts like Santana and uh, Janice and, and other big San Fran bands on the scene in the late 60s, right? I think so. I, I then, actually, I'm pretty fuzz, fuzzy on some of these details. I know the record. Um, there's a record of the Fritz. No, stuff? no, not the Fritz stuff. I, we were spared that, I think. We, we, I know the Buckingham Knicks record. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah, they yeah. kind of dissolve, and they finally realize it's the two of them that are going to make a go of it. And don't they sort of live? There's a very romantic. Um, They're in college together, or she goes to like San Jose State or something, and he joins her there. He's and just I there think that's playing guitar in her dorm he's room. He's just kind of like, like you know the guy in the corner that everybody's probably like, what's with this guy? You know, but his his dad has a coffee plant nearby. Um, I guess owns some sort of cost, coffee distribution or something, and they have a, a a tape recorder there, and they cut demos there before they move to L.A. and they have and which is available by the way if you YouTube or you know Google um, the coffee plant demos, um, you can listen to them and they're pretty. Fantastic, and that's what they went to LA with, and sort of uh, distributed um, to get um, some attention. And you, if you listen to those, mm-hmm. it's all you know. What you hear in Buckingham Knicks is there in those demos. It's not hard to hear. You hear Stevie's voice, and you're like, dude, like she's got it. She's got it. Um, and then uh, so they team they lo- uh, get hooked in with a producer named uh, Keith Olson. Um, who produces that first Buckingham Knicks album. But the thing I, earlier today, remember how I said I had a personnel surprise for you? Yes, I've been, I've been, I've been counting this. Keith Olsen, the guy who produced uh, Buckingham Knicks for Polydor for, uh, for those two, um, and then who basically played Frozen Love from Buckingham Knicks for Mick Fleetwood to sort of call attention to those two. That guy that sort of made it happen was the bass player in um, uh, this band, which I, I told you about not too long ago. The 
Bramwell music machine? Bonniewell music Bonnie machine. Well, uh, Bonnie. <laughs> the Eagle Never Hunts the Fly, a song that I've been obsessed with since forever. And this guy uh, was the was the bass player in it. That's and also incredible. was an engineer um, on the Emmett Rhodes first album. Pretty cool, right? Wow, very cool. I mean, there's only so many people out there doing this stuff. And so their webs intersect. I mean, there's another... We're going to get there later, but... Well, in the late 70s, you know, he, during his period of sort of post-rumors trying to figure out what he wants to do, he ends up, uh, Lindsay ends up producing a record by John Stewart. Yes. Who was in the Kingston Trio, but people don't realize that's also the same John Stewart who wrote... Daydream Believer. Daydream Believer. <laughs> and that's that song's incredible. That's incredible. And um, then they have that hit, Gold, which is it's basically right. this Lost Fleetwood Mac record. Sure. But, um, and I like a lot of Jon Stewart records. None of them sound like that. Like, uh, like Bombs Away, whatever it's called. <laughs> Babies. Yeah, <that's, laughs> Lindsay was really in his uh, assertive uh, phase at that point. But so, should we play something from Buckingham Knicks? I was, I, I happen to, uh, um, uh, prefer the original version of never going back again but um i mean crystal kills me i think that's i feel like crystal is is the perfect sort of crossover into uh the first fleetwood mac record but But anyway crystal's love itself is like that's finally the guitar sound that we're thinking about yeah do you always trust your first initial is the perfect word for it because it's also um it's the perfect word for not only that song but kind of their sound that's crystallizing at the moment the way their voices sound together but plus he always with his guitar sounds even from the beginning Mm -hmm. he's obsessed with very high playing nylon strings at, at very high tension and um just extremely he's not he's not playing a lot of like low on the fretboard he's playing high yeah and there's a lot of this virtuoso type um classical yeah the classical influence i mean he he cites it often but it you really hear it there that sort of classical guitar um on the on these sort of slower romantic songs and then on the the heavier you know chugging songs he 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 talks about Chet Atkins and and Scotty Moore and and these sort of pickers that he he admired. So you get on on those different flavored songs. Um, it's it's beautiful. I it mean, is. It's 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 like a um a slightly more evolved version of some of the Laurel Canyon stuff we were, you're getting earlier, yeah. or it's slightly more eccentric. I might even say because when we're dealing with Lindsay, we're dealing with a lot of eccentricity. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's one of the things that makes it so interesting. And him being evened out by these other personalities is what makes it work so well. I think so. Yeah. I mean, that I, I would I'd love to know more about your your take on the sort of how this 
chemistry comes together. You got this duo and they sound... So the Buckingham Knicks album tanks, essentially. It gets like airplay in Alabama and that's it. And otherwise Polydor drops it after like three weeks and they're heartbroken because this is, they think it's great, it is great, um, and it goes nowhere, and then, uh, but Mick Fleetwood is, is ever <laughs> on the hunt to remain uh, important to rock history and uh, is looking for a guitar man and a, and a vocalist. Um, and that's how he, he, he pulls in Lindsay, and Lindsay says, yeah, but you gotta have Stevie too. Um, and Which then, is a bold move. I mean, yeah. Fleetwood Mac was not, they were maybe not on the on the upswing because Peter Green had left. And I think, who did she replaces? Bob Welch. Uh, Bob Welch, who I love Bob Welch. Yeah. Um, and those are a couple, and McVie's already in the band. Right. And Christy. Uh, uh, sorry. Christ, oh, both. Christ, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both McVie, but Christine McVie is already in the band. Christine Perfect. That's her actual maiden name. I is love it really? That. Yeah, oh, Christine Perfect. And um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very bold move to, to this is a major headlining rock group well it really speaks to like Lindsay the fact that he's he, he had to think about it you know what I mean <laughs> like this this rock group that has had, a history and he had no money he apparently would just go around bouncing checks everywhere yeah and and she and Stevie's like working at Bob's big boys like while he's just at home like noodling on the guitar <laughs> you know he's just the jerk um but he had to think about it. He's like, what will Fleetwood Mac do for me? And, uh, which I kind of get because he's like, are they going to like tank me when I, I think and know I'm amazing mm-hmm. and I have so far to go. And will I get pulled down by old Mick and old John? Um, and they, they end up, you know, as, as we know that they come, they, they become part of the group and not only do they become part of the group, like Stevie becomes a huge part of the, uh, although Christine really wrote the biggest hits, I think on that first album well, or just in general, just in general, the ones yeah. that are most sort of at least iconic songs out, but Stevie wrote the other one. I mean, Lindsay's uh, when it comes to huge hits for Fleetwood Mac, he mm-hmm. wrote go your own way. Yeah. And he wrote a Tusk, which did, which I always say is the single strangest record ever to climb to to make it to the top of the charts. Sure. Um, But almost all of the songs, I mean, that they score big hits with throughout the entire career are Uh Christine or so, or Stevie's. And it's this very strange, like, you know, cross Atlantic um, soup. It's weird. That 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 somehow and and a real blues group right mixing with this folk classical um, West Coast thing right it's um it's kind of uh, magic I mean there's there's no other way to describe it yeah for sure um, should we listen to something else should we listen to something from the first uh, record with with the four of them or should we go to um, rumors well the, the for me I have to say this about the first record because I really do love the first record I love the um, blue letter so uh, cut which is a cover I don't think he actually wrote it but I, I always loved that song I think he the, it, it does the record lead with that song I think it does um, um, I'm not sure. Is Monday morning? Uh, oh wait, Monday morning. Monday morning. Sorry, Monday yeah. morning is what uh, and I forget if you wrote that or not. But I know that the song on there, which is not actually that indicative of Lindsey Buckingham that I've come to know and love, and yet I still think it's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is I'm so afraid. 
the oh man which is that solo so i saw Lindsay uh play one time in new york uh-huh. and he played that was just great you know go your own way i think was the encore but the closing was i'm so afraid which is again antithetical to the peace love and happiness that you would assume was coming out of the even the um the geffen era sort of west coast it's this paranoid um journey but with this monster of a solo like that solo is just is one of the best solos of which i'm aware it's him trying to write a Fleetwood Mac song, I think. Like That's what it is. The Peter Green style that Fleetwood makes Mac sense. record. And but because he's this neurotic um, <laughs> maniac uh, maniac, right? this is what he comes up with. Right. harmonizing the guitar lines almost immediately it's i again tour de force i can't recommend that song highly enough especially the version off that um that i really come to love the best is the version off of the live in 1980 record of the, of, of the tusk tour oh yeah they have a version that's like you know i don't know 18 minutes or something like that <laughs> probably way too long but if you're if you're in a headspace to really <laughs> listen to that song get Lindsay. get yeah if you really want <laughs> we'll you really want to get Lindsay <laughs> into his closet, I guess. That, that's uh, under oh, the bed. Man. There you go. Um, so they're doing well. Here comes rumors. Here comes rumors. And everything changes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, is it worth even talking about the musical chairs, the sort of romantic musical chairs that goes on? I mean, it's. Uh, in the, I mean, I think it's, it's pretty well known. It's sort of like part and parcel of what people, I think, at this point know about, about the band. And I mean, that album is a monster it's 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 the biggest record in the world at that point right yeah they're, so they're breaking up he's breaking up with with stevie and and christine and john who'd been married are also breaking up meanwhile stevie i think is sleeping with mick right um they say it's later but it's probably going on something's then. happening like, <laughs> like clearly the feeling was not good in the studio no. and then um you know st- Lindsay always talks about his role with Stevie's songs as he would take these, um, you know, demos that were done with an acoustic guitar or, um, or just a piano, which are usually one to two chords. You know, if you listen to actually the some of the musical underbelly of um, some of Stevie's songs, they're they're very simple. What the the complexity comes from uh, the way that she weaves a 
uh, melody, right. which is always sort of off kilter and very interesting in her persona. But then st- and Lindsay would sort of make these records out of it. And for, to me, Dreams is like a is a perfect pop single. Right. And you when you listen to both the the kind of enigmatic lyrics that clearly hinting at a relationship dissolving, but but also it could have gone nowhere. That song could have gone nowhere, but he, the way that he does those those strange sort of guitar lines, yeah, and uh, the backup vocals and the drums. I mean, there's so many little production flourishes there mm-hmm. that are one of the reasons they're so uh, uh, so inspired is that you hardly notice them. Like they become part of the song rather right. than the recording. I read something about um, Jeff. Bec- <laughs> Jeff Picaro. Oh my goodness, we couldn't have to go talk about Toto. So yeah, yeah. The the technical genius Jeff Picaro that he would he would sort of watch Lindsay and 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 marvel at how there's there's technical proficiency there, but it's it's it, it's essentially like magic happening, and he couldn't nail it down because it's something that the 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 guys seemingly sort of can't recreate it's coming out of his soul you know Precaro is 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 coming down to the science of of, of music and and marveling at yeah. at I would know, love to hear the his uh, first person the unassignable stuff you know because at this point he's basically producing these records I mean, right I was Ken Kelly ask. is um, along for the ride Richard Dashett I think is there yeah. and I'm sure they I know they play a big role but the um the secret sauce is Lindsey Buckingham. There's no For question. Sure. And this, you know, uh, emotional nightmare that is going on between five very clearly screwed up and inebriated people, or whatever. There was a lot of they're they're kind of known as the quintessential cocaine band, right? Didn't yeah. didn't Stevie like uh, snort so much coke that like she blew through her <laughs> nasal se- or septum or something I like think that? So. That was that's always. I've only like, heard that about her and like Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> That's like that's the urban like, lore. Yeah, exactly. That goes and hand the, in hand. Like none of this was in you know harmony. All the you know pun intended was not the um, was not in the air, uh, right? For everything that was going on. Plus, and and then the record just does. It's like a thriller size record. Yeah, it's a monster. Um, what what do you think about playing uh, secondhand news? Definitely. I mean, those are those are the best bow, 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 I, I know. And it cracks me up, too. I mean, he's talking about like being Stevie's side piece. Like, you can always come back to me, like lay me down in the t- tall grass. And then it, it it cracks me up that he's basically saying like, and, you know, bam, 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 and like, <laughs> you know, here we go. Yeah, and then he gets, you know, people to sing along in the audience. Everybody's going, bam, bam, bam. It's so great. That is actually, you know, I, I need to th- I need to think about that on a on a slightly more adult level because I, I think I've, 
that song is one of those things that clicks into gear, like uh, the memories I had when I first listened to it. And, mm-hmm. and you think of it as this upbeat, sugary song with those those guitar harmonics that he's yeah. doing again, uh, as though it's just a normal thing to do. Right. But um, in context, I guess there's a lot of other Yeah, there's a lot factors. of other stuff going on. But it's I... upbeat Lindsay still. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, yeah. not the chain. No. <laughs> it is not the chain. <laughs> Listen to the wind blow. Oh, man. Um, and it's enduring. I, I love the chain, and you know, I've always, I've always thought one of the great um, examples or displays of his virtuosity or his the magic that we were that Jeff Beccaro was seeing was the 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 way that he structures the rhythm guitar on the verses of "Go Your Own Way," mm. that loving you, dun dun dun, dun you know, the the, the upstrokes. I, I can't even, I don't even know the right. I remember in there's some the making of rumors documentary yeah. he. He tells you exactly what's going on and yeah. how why it sounds like it's almost two different rhythm tracks playing at the same time that lock in perfectly and create the tension that explodes in the chorus. <laughs> but it's that I was I was I found that entrancing that I would listen to that over and over to see if I could sort of replicate it, you know, uh-huh, in uh-huh. some way, and I never quite could. Yeah, um, it's just not something that would occur to someone. Um, who maybe who wasn't in a very strange uh, headspace. No, he really l- sort of leans on that about himself when talking about himself <laughs> is that, you know, he's he's undisciplined and and you know, the reason why somebody like Picaro can't follow what's going on is because like he's he's not playing by the rules, never did and sort of prides himself on on being, you know, able to cut himself free and and, and I mean, just be Lindsay. We need to uh which happens in Tusk. The elephant in the room though because the way Lindsay Buckingham talks about himself. <laughs> I have a lot of love for this guy, but it's almost it's insufferable a little bit. I mean, oh, it, it's and, awful. I mean and it's something about the tone of his voice it's, too. It's another just, one of these things that's very California. Don't be very, a child, Stevie. And very very sort of like it, there's something serene about his voice that's but like he's ex- it always feels like he's explaining things to you um with a, a quiet rage like brewing underneath i think the specter of stevie probably disabled several long-term relationships i had after stevie it was very difficult to get closure yeah because then it's like those english guys we were talking about the other time it's like this very polite thing and then underneath is just this r- roiling <laughs> Uh, psych- I, psychosexual, uh, uh, you know, miasma of forces that are going to come out through his f- fingers and through his vocals, and it happens. I mean, you will. I think once the '80s hit, <laughs> it gets scary, man. <laughs> I know. And I, I feel like I heard a little sound bit from Brian Wilson, and he put it back. I mean, no better lightning rod for you know emotional turmoil than Brian Wilson, who basically says like. When I was in- You know, like, <laughs> Brian knows to be scared of someone. I mean, I, th- I think that he was one of the people that went to Brian's house during this during the sort of late 70s and looking for sort of an audience with the guru. And Brian is sitting there playing this song, Short and Bread, yeah. over and over and over again. The, the ABBA guys report having to put, sing back up on uh, both Benny and Bjorn, sing back up on Short and Bread. I know for a fact that Lindsey Buckingham was really disappointed because he got there and all that Brian wanted to do was sing Short and Bread. <laughs> I haven't really liked Short and Bread, <laughs> but if this is the guy you're thinking about from like you know surfs up and yeah, smile right. and pet sounds and you get there it's just nothing but shortening bread on repeat <laughs> for like I think there's like a 30 minute version of shortening bread that exists <laughs> 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 
so, but you also, it, it kind of hints at the fact that like after this, this record just, um, you know, goes stratospheric, um, what do you do next? I mean, the, right. it's, it's the great question of any of these artists. Sure. Um, and for Lindsay, the, ex- uh, the expectations are massive. Yeah, they're they're massive, and I mean, you know, the next. Do you want to tell the next part of the story? Because it's. Um, well, I I don't know that I know it other than you know sort of uh, any sort of sheen and and perfection that you that you hear in rumors. Lindsay looked to undermine it somehow, you know, uh, audibly. It wouldn't have made a lot of sense for me to sit down and listen to the Eagles, you know. So what I do now, I, I listen to things that are to the left of what I'm doing because the whole ethic of, of the way I approach music is that you, you, you must take risks. It's very important not to rest on your laurels. It's very important to move forward or at least move somewhere. Yeah, he didn't want to be contained. And he wanted to push the band forward. And I mean, he, you hear it with uh, the ledge right off the bat. I mean, the the vocals sound weird at near the end. I mean, I love it, but there, you know, there was nothing polished it about the approach to that song. No, nothing. I mean, he apparently he you know he's listening to the Sex Pistols. Okay. It's and he's very much challenged because Fleetwood Mac came to represent a little bit the sort of establishment rock. Sure. And, uh, he doesn't want to be contained. He decides to do a triple album, and you know he he like plays its triple album. I mean, he p- kind of plays it safe with the other. If if you were to just listen to Stevie and uh, you know Christ- Christine's songs on that record, you do have a kind of rumors part two there a yeah. little bit. Although some of the songs are a little longer, they're actually not quite as catchy. Some of them are great. Mm-hmm. I love the song Brown Eyes. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love this. I love the song. Um, it's not. Uh, I love Sarah. I I, yeah. I love that song. Storms is great, but they. Um, it's Lindsay's songs. If you were to take Tusk and boil it down to just Lindsay's songs, you, yeah, have, you have a totally different experience. I mean, you just have a huge middle finger to their. It's not so just what, that. Yeah. It's not just that because it is also, as we have said, a lot of cocaine. We have him in the studio by himself. Right. He's 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 recording the the drum tracks a lot of times by himself, even mm-hmm. though Mick is this amazing drummer. Right. I think one of those. Um. It's either the. But he's pissed. Or not. I'm yeah, sure at Mick. He's pissed. He's pissed at everyone. I think, right. and he basically takes all the credit for rumor success and is saying like, "I'm the." He buys into his own hype, which. To a certain extent, is slightly justified because and and you know the rhythm tracks. I think there's one where he's like banging a tissue box upside down in a bathroom, and that's where they got this very raw, tribal sound. And I think there, the other thing that's going on is so we go back to the uh, the the high school situation of of the the junior and the senior, the junior sort of inviting the senior girl into his band, and then you know shaping the sound. And then after rumors, Stevie's the star. Mm-hmm. She's she's fully in the spotlight. You know, she's this beautiful singer who is charismatic, and Lindsay doesn't get the credit he wants from rumors. You know, she no. she does. She so also has this. I mean, <laughs> let's face it: her blonde-haired witch thing, Brienne and Welsh. Th- yeah is such a creative character that you hadn't seen anything remotely like no. it in rock and roll. You'd seen blonde... Very slick, as far as like bit, wit- witchy ways, you know. But the mythology that she conjures up 
you know, I think any of these bands that make it to that level have to have a certain mythology about themselves. I'm not talking about, you know, mythology of witches, but they yeah. have to have certain imagery and a world that they create. And no one creates a world more on those Fleetwood Mac records than Stevie Nicks. True. And, um, I mean, you think like, by the way, if Rumors had had Silver Springs on it, I mean, it would have been even more incredible. Uh, and Stevie would have been even more of a uh, breakout. Right. But... Anyway, Tusk is still, Fleetwood Mac is still what people are after, not just Stevie. Right. And so Tusk is his opportunity. I mean, okay, so what's your go-to off Tusk, Lindsay-wise? Um, oh, gosh. Walk a Thin Line. I was going to say it. I want to play, let's play one of the, the, Walk a Thin Line, one of the genius parts about it is that he slowed it down. Mm. Uh, it always feels like there's something dragging in that song. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, that gives it this weird tension to it. Mm. But I want to hear the, I'm going to play the um, this sort of sped up version. Okay. This at the, at the, the quote unquote right tempo that has all of that Brian Wilson-y beauty to it, mm. but also the wounded, alienated, Lindsay kind of crackpot thing happening. I see so many things in That's a lot of sense to me. It's, I love that song. I, I mean, I also think "Save Me a Place" has got that mm-hmm. w- very strange um, uh, rhythm to it, but it, it's it's perfect and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And again, "Wounded" is the only word I can think of for it outside of, you know, um, slightly maybe malevolent. To, there's like a. I think that's always there. Always <laughs> <this stuff. laughs> I find it like misanthropic, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, but like that's all for everyone. Yeah. Has, is as close as he comes to sort of polishing one of his songs on there. Mm-hmm. Though I think he knew what he was doing with Tusk. Mm-hmm. I can't believe the record company agreed to uh, produce it, and then you get the whole marching band. I mean, it's crazy. Um, I I have to say that my favorite Fleetwood Mac song is on Tusk. It's not a Lindsey Buckingham song. It's um it's a Christine McVie song. It's Think About Me. Oh. Um, but one of my favorite parts in Think About Me is his is Lindsay's backing vocals. I don't hold you down. Maybe that's why you're around. But if I'm the one you love, think about me. Baby, what's in the world? They bring this sort of frenetic menace to the the song that otherwise is sort of harmonic and beautiful yeah i mean dimension is the word that he 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 knows how to arrange those songs yeah and he clearly was was he wasn't rewriting christine's song she's an incredible songwriter but um you know if you ever listen to christine mcvee's solo records um there's some decent stuff on there but it it get a hold of me i i I, (laughs) i'm such a sucker for that song well i I love what's the one that is that that's on the record with her on the piano that's like on the top of a cliff yeah um it looks a little she always it 
always made it look like she was Bonnie Tyler yes, to me. Yes, it has that vibe. But she, um, uh, without Lindsay, she airs towards sort of saccharine right. stuff. And without the without the ladies, without Stevie and Christine and John and Mick, mm-hmm. Lindsay just airs towards the, you know, uh, bonkers. I guess you could say, or like, I would, um, the the nerviness to it um, kind of goes off the charts. That you can't listen to a whole record of that stuff. No, or, I like it, and I really like it, and I have a high tolerance for this stuff. But it would not have gone anywhere. If it had not been tempered, I think. I think that's one of the great... No, no, no. I think that's totally true. I mean, and that, that's what comes next. You know, after Tusk um, uh, comes Law and Order, which is his first solo album. Um, and Trouble is on it, which is, you know, a hit. I mean, I think it great, cracks the top 20. A great video. He was doing some very strange video work in this, this period. Yeah. Um, should we hear that? Just was it worth a listen, or do you want to hear something else from that album? Uh, I think we got to hear Buana. Oh, I don't. Buana is the first song it. on the record, and it was like, what was he thinking doing this? <laughs> but clearly, he had some more things he wanted to say. So. goes on from there that that word demon mm-hmm. comes up a bunch in his solo work <laughs> I mean, he's, it like, he's got that terrible song off of the dance called my little demon it's the only real bad stinker off of that record but um my little demon and uh he in his you know he's really sort of turning himself into a cartoon character too as far as physically you know with the 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 plucked eyebrows and the and the the bride of frankenstein hair that he's going to start developing in oh the 80s like but let me the Law and Order itself is an awesome record. I think. I don't it think is. it's perfect. I think there's a so that as by the time this podcast drops, he's released he's releasing a three disc yeah. uh, retrospective mm-hmm. with only and of all his solo work, mm-hmm. not Fleetwood Mac. And there's only one song from Law and Order, and it's Trouble. And I think that's a mistake because I think that Mary Lee Jones is amazing. I think It Was I, which was another single, and uh, kind of has this fifty doo-wop sort of vibe, but with helium backup vocals it sounds a little like the Roy Wood sort of tune and there's mm-hmm. a very strange video for it uh, even we've got to talk about September song even his cover of September song <laughs> Hoagie Carmichael right it's uh it's is a that who it is? I think that's who it is yeah I think the I, it, once again the 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 Lindsay Stevie saga continues with the fact that Belladonna comes out the same year and is goes straight to number one with so many hits edge of 17. Uh, what's the what's the song she sings with uh, Tom Petty? Uh, uh, stop, stop dragging my heart around. I mean, once again, she just like soars right past him, and it's got to drive him crazy. In fact, his next solo album is called Go Insane. <laughs> <laughs> but before that happens, don't Go Insane comes out after Mirage, doesn't it? Yes. So they trouble. Um, they, they they sort of are are trying to get Stevie back in the band at this point. She's so she's gotten so successful with Belladonna, uh, and I, 
I think they kind of give him an ultimatum, like this next record, which tends up being Mirage, has mm-hmm. got to be a single album, a single LP. I can't and it and it's got to you've got to rein it in. Like, it's totally pared back. It's totally pared back. However, if to the y- point of I mean, there are good songs on there, but you know, in the scheme of things, it's kind of boring. It's kind of boring. I wish, but if you listen to the early versions of all those songs, which came out a couple of years ago, like uh, I think Empire State, for example, yeah. is the early version of it sounds like a t- like a great Tusk song. But um, mm. then the, the the version that came out, I mean, I'm going to play it for us in a second, but the version that ended up coming out is much more tame. Mm-hmm. And it, there's another, Gypsy's a huge hit off there, but again, it's mm-hmm. the Stevie song. Mm-hmm. And I forget if there's Hold big, Me is Hold the me song is that big. actually, if I go back in the memory banks, Hold Me is the first Fleetwood Mac song I can remember ever hearing at like my mom's aerobic class or something. That mine would probably be like You Make Love and Fun or something like that. Yeah. But that's, I mean, uh, here's Empire State, the early version. It's experimental. It's it's wacky. I think where, it's one of his greatest songs. Where actually. where did, where what's that on? Or they they put out a um, double disc of uh, deluxe thing of Mirage uh, last year, and okay. it has a complete alternate version of the record on there. That um, is rad. using early stuff. I mean, there's an early version of Eyes of the World too, which is his. I sort love of, that song. He does. It's like a Pachelbel's Canon thing, uh-huh. but. This version is more unhinged. It's all unhinged. And so you can hear basically. The version of the whole record. The version of, or oh yeah, but definitely Eyes of the World. But I, I think Book of Love's pretty yep. good. But you can understand why he soon goes insane. Hi, I'm Lindsay Buckingham. The Mirage album is finished and so are the videos and so are we. <laughs> We'd love to have you take a look. So watch for the world premiere on MTV. But wait. I think before we get to go insane, we got Holiday Road. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> Which <laughs> I forget. I think you know, for somebody who doesn't know anything about Fleetwood Mac, yeah, they could easily hear Holiday Road on the radio and go like, "I wonder what the hell happened to that guy." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's it it has that one off feel of you know it just doesn't fit i mean it fits in as far as his influences go it's it's a little bit of like uh like buddy holly meets elvis beach Boy, early beach boys. yeah beach boys um but uh it's a weird one so, it's catchy as hell i played it in the car uh this morning and uh wallace my daughter was singing it after hearing it once you know for 30 minutes after you know it's that I mean, people. If Snappy. people are wondering what we're talking about, it's the it's a theme song from National Lampoon's Vacation. Should we just play it so people can? Yeah, wait, let me it. say this else other thing. He actually did do a lot of soundtrack work because you know he's got a sound. He's got a song on the back, the original Back to the Future soundtrack. 
He's got a song called Time Bomb Town. Is that is, good? It's okay. Uh, he's got another song on the Vacation soundtrack called Dancing Across the USA, which blows. <laughs> but um, this Holiday Road hits it out of the park. But you know that um, the, the hidden track that I would tell people to seek out if they can, he reunited with Stevie for the soundtrack of Twister. The song Twisted? The song Twisted, and it's awesome. I it's love awesome. that song. Speaking of, it's not demons, but devil, right? It's, is, is the, it's, uh, all, it's a very spiritual sort of religious, something's happening. I think it sounds like Stevie probably wrote that song. It does. I was, I was listening to it actually on the way here. But he's all like, over the chorus of it, song. and he clearly yeah. arranged it. For sure. And so that's in that period where He's not with the band, and and it seems like they're coming together I think for a even, cash she grab. Left the, or no, maybe she was still. In, I don't know. It's hard to keep track of. But Holiday Road. Let, let's let's give, hear it, man. That's as catchy as, you know, pop music gets. Now, have you ever seen the video for Holiday Road? I don't think I have, no. Okay, so before this podcast uh, we recorded, I tried to rewatch it, Uh and it's been scrubbed from the internet. And so to the extent that I was like, am I imagining something? And uh, I wasn't. I found stills. It's this weird video of him like overseeing an office it feels like a brazil kind of terry gilliam dystopian office and he's wearing a suit and looking out the window and wanting to go on a holiday of some kind but it's um it's a really eerie video it kind of uh, it's kind of frightening video actually weird but um you can't find it anywhere right now huh maybe it'll be up again soon but uh that there's a little feather in your cap so up comes Go Insane. So I, I think it's important to uh, challenge the listener slightly, to uh, make them grasp for it a little bit. So I was sort of floored by by this. I mean, it is it is uh, play, play in the Rain parts one and two, or Play in the Rain and Play in the Rain continued are... They remind me of David Sylvian. You know him? He was the front man well. for Japan. Japan? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's pretty great, you know. Uh, experimental stuff, but you know this falls in line with that. I mean, for me, it's all about one song and one song only. Though I love the song "Bang the Drum," k- kills me. I think that's I don't a great know it song. That well. um, it's an uh, amazing song, and I like "Go Insane." Uh, and I, um, but the the song "DW Sweet," which is oh, written yeah. as a eulogy for Dennis Wilson, who had been. Uh, dating or together with Christine McVie, you know, Dennis Wilson, who was married, I think, nine times, perhaps. Um, But he was, when he died, um, or before, I think they'd broken up at that point, but um, he was together with Christine McVie, Dennis Wilson, the drummer for the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. And so, um, not only did Lindsay love Brian Wilson, he loved the Beach Boys, and so he crafted this suite, and it's Mm -hmm. got this amazing sort of, uh, like a prayer time and then this like weird, you know, rhythmic thing and full of Beach Boys harmonies with a bit of an 80s, you know, gated drum thing. Um, I think it works. I think it's like a ma- master stroke mm. on that record. Mm-hmm. Pray for 
the next time we hear from Lindsay is Tango in the Night, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, he's responsible on Tango in the Night for uh, what has become one of his signature tunes, which is Big Love. Yeah, which I've seen. So I saw them live two years ago, and and Big Love is a doozy, man. I mean, it, he's kept, so at this point in his career, I, I think... I mean, he just takes over. He you t- know? <laughs> I mean, of course, everybody gets their moment in, in, in the sun in their live show, but man, you... It's hard to beat Big Love with he's him just this, what would you call <laughs> freaking he's, out? He's basically. freaking out on the vocals, and he's pioneered, I would say, like this style of finger picking that is nylon strings that somehow are jagged but yeah. picked extremely fast, mm-hmm. so that it sounds almost like a keyboard. Um, Big Love is the great example of it, but it's 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 it's. it's it's almost overwhelming and mm. it adds such a um, desperation would be the word for that song. You know, yeah. uh, that, that song like I, I, that came on with my kids in the car the other day and I had to turn it off. So, but Big Love is something a little different because it's a, it's a kind of a, a combination of keeping a, almost like a bass note mm-hmm. going underneath a counter melody. I began to really tap into the potential of a single guitar doing the work of a whole track, and that song was sort of the template for many other things that followed. I love that he, he, the way he talks about his work on on Tango in the Night is is like you know, they were Mick and Stevie were in rehab and he had to just take pieces from her vocals. It's their fault <laughs> that he had to like step forward and 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 you know do such amazing crazy things. You know. What I'm doing in the studio is takes up so much of my energy, really. You know, more so that's probably the main thing that I contribute to the band is not as a guitar player or even necessarily as a writer uh, but as someone who can take uh, x amount of energy you know and flowing through different people and sort of somehow formulate to some degree how things should sound in the studio i would say that the song caroline mm-hmm. uh with that is that she's so crazy she's so lazy <laughs> <laughs> That's like a great Brian Wilson rhyme there, but he uh, that that really presages what's going to come from him in his later solo work, right? Because basically we have a decade known as the '90s where we hear after Tango in the Night he get, he leaves the band because he's so fed up. They're all right. Um, he sort of says like all the problems that were happening in ta- uh, Tango in the Night would become exponential as far as their impact if they went on the road because he didn't he didn't want to tour he didn't want to tour i think he tells them the tours lined up he tells them and stevie like physically attacks him (laughs) 
<laughs> she like runs across the room. And, well, she had and, like, so much. They had to, they had to support. Like, their, supercharged by coke, like launches habits, across yeah. the room and digs her nails into his face. She casts a spell. Yeah. She, you could. Yeah, I mean, there's still fire. There's still sparks flying between those two. Yeah. And they always play it up in every interview. Oh, they um, love it. You know, it's all part of the the act. I mean, that that I will say that about the the live show that I saw, which was awesome, mm-hmm. like oh, without a doubt. Um, but it is very much a show. I mean, d- down choreographed down to all the 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 patter. You know, the the vocal exchanges, the love exchanged on on stage, the the stories. It is. Thank ex- you, Lindsay. Exactly. Thank you, Stevie. <laughs> Embrace now. Yep. Center stage. Yep. Part ways. Yeah. Exit left. But then, out of the cradles, his attempt at like establishing his own voice. Um, the uh, the back cover. It's classic. Like, uh, you know this marketing but it's like Lindsay with an enormous like neve mixing board mm-hmm. and like just this it, it's playing up his mastermind thing right and it doesn't do well that, that song countdown did okay on the radio and i actually think out of the cradle i mean his father had died his brother the swimmer had died, died he's yeah. dealing with that i like a lot of the songs i like don't look down i like, the, I like surrender the rain i like wrong is goofy uh, his attack at Mick. Yeah, I like Soul Drifter, which was I think about his brother. Um, Don't look down has that kind of nervy energy. That Don't, I look like. down. Do Don't look down. Do not look down. Don't look down. And that's the one where he tours with like seven guitarists on stage. They do <laughs> sort right. of a, a love in. Um, I'm, I th- I'm sure there was like a, a, a behind the scenes companion, mo- you know, like CD-ROM that probably came with the <laughs> album that uh, that has these, you know, other seven guitarists that are on stage and they're just strumming their faces off. Um, it probably fulfills his old like folk love a little bit of, you know, touring yeah. with all these um, guitarists. I could see that. But you get to then uh, Fleetwood Mac reforms does the dance. Uh, he's working on a solo record this entire time. Another follow-up solo record, "Gift of Screws." Gift of Screws, right? But it gets and let's hijacked. not forget the uh, uh, the inauguration b- previous to this. He, do, he gets they back, come back for the for, for the, the Clinton, Clinton inauguration, um, but he's like, "And I'm out." <laughs> Michael Jackson was at that inauguration uh, yes, too. He was. That was quite a quite an inauguration. Think about it now. Um, so they they put out um, "Say You Will." You know, together after because yeah. he finally is. They do the dance. It's extremely well received. People yeah. are ready to take Fleetwood Mac back into their hearts. Yeah, there's a couple new songs on the dance. Mm-hmm. They do Silver Springs, which is unbelievable. Um, and then uh, he's been working on this record the whole time that they decided to turn it to a Fleetwood Mac record. But it's really yeah. There's, there's some s- Gift of Screws some Gift of Screws on, on there, right? But it's really. The second Buckingham Knicks record is what it really is. Say you will. It's too long. It's eighteen tracks. Yeah. Um. There's clearly a lot of you can you can almost hear the lawyers involved on mm. the record. However, there's some unbelievable songs. Like yeah. What do you like? Um. I mean, Peacekeepers the hit. Peacekeepers great song. Although apparently they stole the chorus from Kodachrome. They they stole. Oh. It's like a basically sounds like Kodachrome. Okay. Uh, Lead to Lover I really like. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really like Steal Your Heart Away. I think it's as um, and Miranda is another one that I think is fantastic. Uh, but I thought I'd play Steal Your Heart Away, which has him getting back to sort of, sort of classic songwriting. <laughs> 
coming to a close here that that decade spanning um love you hate you relationship it seems like there's closure here and if it takes 18 songs it's like that's for them they were probably like yeah well isn't the the last two songs one's called like say goodbye and the other one's called like farewell you or something like that they're both it's uh uh they're both these sort of time to go right Right. Even though it begins another massive tour, more money. I wanted to see them on that tour. I never got to. But for for me, then then this is also what be, kicks off what I would call his third wind. Or so if you, yeah. if you want to call Tag on the Night his second wind yeah. with those sort of solo records and rumors and, and those his first ones. His third wind, he he goes silent for like another ten years almost. Mm-hmm. And then he brings out Three records in for him is like rapid succession, right? Uh, some of which are from Gift of Screws, right? Yes. They're sort of like um, well, one's called Gift of Screws, right? They've been sort of uh, cooking for for a while. But uh, the first song that I heard from him in that that period is the first track on uh, Under the Skin, which is not too late. Which I feel like really n- <laughs> nails his point of view at that moment in time. He's like. 55 or so um and uh do you do you recall the lyrics of that that yeah, song at tell all me again. Oh, well i'll just play it reading the paper i saw a review said i was a visionary but nobody knew been a problem feeling unseen just like I'm living somebody's dream what am I doing says it all right there yeah you know Lindsay, i would never call a great lyricist right he's gotten he's managed some great lyrics yeah uh but i had forgotten about that that's how it opens i just love that he says feeling unseen has been a problem for him it's it's been a problem it's been a problem (laughs) it's been i mean the passive voice is amazing yeah Yeah, that guy's got some hang-ups man he has some hang-ups and that's why we love that that's why i like his music but i would never want to work with him no be married to him i don't think i'd even i mean when i 
I, I wouldn't even want to say hello to I him, frankly. I'd be so scared. But I will say, when you hear that song, like he's playing that. That's not sped up guitar. He's yeah. actually playing it that fast. And he's also starting this kind of thing where he, he sort of whisper shouts a lot yeah. of his lyrics. Um, I think that album in particular, out of those three that are, are coming, um, it's it's the most cohesive. I think it's the one that works the the best. Somebody's got to change your mind. Yeah. And the, the song Down on Rodeo is mm-hmm. one of his, that would have been a huge hit for Fleetwood Mac. I mean, I think that song is... And it was kicking, that's one of those that was kicking around for a long time. It, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I kind of agree with, I think the actual record gift of Screws, it's sort of like if Under the Skin is the acoustic... Yeah, songs. I think uh, "Gift of Screws." What becomes "Gift of Screws" is the electric versions, mm. and I happen to love a lot of those songs. Like I think, I think what the song like? "Love Runs Deeper" is. I th- well, I'm gonna play "Gift of Screws" because he starts laughing maniacally in the middle of it, and I think that that always cracks me up when people laugh in songs. But um, <laughs> the songs like "Did You Miss Me" uh, is pretty good. But "Wait for You" and "Love Runs Deeper" is the best song on the record. So is uh, "Right Place to Fade," and I think those have John McVie and Mick Fleetwood as the rhythm section. But "Gift of Screws," which is a uh, Emily Dickinson uh, mm. quote. But here, here's here's his Lindsay unhinged. very intentional melody that he's shouting out with his laughter there but it's it's awesome i mean love runs deeper is a deep uh, is a wish a wonderful pop song but you're right it doesn't work it, the whole record doesn't work because there's still some songs i think he should have probably put on under the skin on there mm-hmm. but that's why i was so surprised when he comes out just like a two years later maybe the next yeah. year with seeds we sow right which has a, some awesome songs on it and then Fleetwood Mac puts randomly puts out a uh, little EP called the, I think it's called the Miss Fantasy or something like that, and it's got a, it's all Lindsay with basically Stevie doing some backup vocals, mm-hmm. and the song Sad Angel on there is a wonderful tune, but I feel like a, a, the most recent stuff he's done is he did this with duet Christine. record with Christine McVie, which again has a couple a bunch of songs which have been around forever. I think that's kind of the closest you're going to get to Fleetwood Mac again, right? Yeah, I do. And I think you've got done. some great some great stuff on there. Yeah. So, I would um I I think Lindsay's got a couple new singles coming out. I don't he seems like as as you talked about early on. I know I know he's happily married now and everything like that. And my my wife is just obsessed. His wife is a famous designer and mm-hmm. they apparently they've got the coolest house you've ever seen. Right. Uh, not that I'll ever get to visit uh, <laughs> or would even want to, but you could go steal his copy of Buckingham. Yeah, <laughs> I think that he is, he is singularly focused on his craft and remains sort of obsessive. Like you get the yeah. sense he's up, you know, Hey, maybe he'll release uh, Buckingham Knicks uh, officially. They've, they've hinted at it um, he, with those, co- with those coffee demos. Cause they're awesome, man. Yeah, but now that, now that I think, 
you know, the great, the final wrinkle that we haven't even mentioned is that he's now been kicked out of Fleetwood Mac again. <laughs> when you just, when you think these people in their 70s and like they're just playing up the drama for sort of us, you know. I know. Uh, he loves the fact, by the way, that in both cases, he has to be replaced by two people. Back in the <laughs> mid 90s, they had to replace him with two people after Tango, or for Tango in the Night, uh, that tour. And, and now, now it's Neil Finn and, and Mike Campbell, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, which is probably a great show. I mean, I would go see it because Fleetwood Mac or nothing if not interesting. But I mean, Mick's fun to watch. Mick is, I mean, they're, they're really getting up there in age. But and so, <laughs> so he, to me, Lindsay, um, again, pushes back against that sort of taboo against older people in, in this idiom making real, some of their most interesting work because like yeah. no one else sounds like Lindsey Buckingham and he was getting edgier and weirder as he got older mm-hmm. um, though still capable of doing the pop stuff so um, again I uh, he's he's absolutely fascinating I think I think he is a bit of a genius I think insufferable is one of the words that you'd have to use. <laughs> and you kind of get why Saturday Night right. Live did that skit with him. It's always like Lindsey Buckingham's what's, with what's, Bill Hader. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what are your top five? Okay, top five. Um, I'm going to go. Well, so my feeling is that uh, we can't. So we've been, we've been doing these um, top five or top collectively top tens on Spotify. And they don't have Buckingham Nick's on there because you you can't get it so the closest you're going to get is uh crystal off the first album which is on buckingham nicks it's they re-recorded it for um for the first fleetwood mac record with all of them together um so crystal um secondhand news uh i like johnny stew off law and order Ooh, johnny stew is good um i mentioned uh play in the rain I, it's so weird. Um, it really epitomizes that that s- super strange period for him. That's off, go insane. And uh, uh, I'll go with Tango in the Night. Those are great. I'm going to avoid Fleetwood Mac records. Okay. But only because it, that's been covered before. Uh, I would probably... Uh, oh, jeez. Um, I would have to put DW Sweet on there. Mm-hmm. I'd put Love Runs Deeper on there. I'd put Down on Rodeo on there. That's three. That's cool. Um, I would, uh, I th- sort of feel like Steal Your Heart Away is a solo. I mean, that's late, but I, I've just returned to that song so many times. Yeah. It's simple. I just love it. And then, um, gosh, uh, y- you know, if you woke me up in the middle of the night, I'd probably say, um, uh, that's the way love goes, which is, by the way, it's not the Janet Jackson song. It's, uh, it's the version off Seeds We Sow. What do you want to send us out with? What do you think, Tusk? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the crown jewel for me. My favorite part of Tusk, the song, yeah. is when he goes, ah, he, he. I love that. You know that thing? Uh, I don't. Don't uh, tell me that you love me. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I here comes to the, it every time. the USC marching band. I look forward band. to it this time. Let's do here it. Here we go. 